So maybe you've had that experience when you have heard someone say, you know, I'm I'm spiritual. I'm not religious. Um, maybe you've even said that uh, before. And maybe this is kind of the response that you get. And I have to confess, sometimes I've given this response um, when I've heard this quote. And um, unfortunately, it was because I was raised in a church and kind of a church community that kind of gave the eye roll when someone said I'm spiritual, but not religious, because that was kind of code for saying I don't go to church. And as church people, we tend to not like this phrase because essentially it's like saying, you know, I'm too cool for you guys. But if you think about it, um, where is this coming from? Where is this stemming from? This idea of saying I'm, I'm spiritual but not religious. Does it really have a whole lot to do with church or not? Now, again, the church that I uh, kind of grew up in might say, you know, it doesn't really count. It doesn't really count unless you come to church. It doesn't really count unless we see you all the time. It doesn't really count unless you follow the rules, unless you make the commitments, unless you believe the creeds. It doesn't count unless you do everything that we do. You know, it doesn't count unless you do all of the stuff. Right? That's really what shows that you're a true follower, right? All the stuff that we are able to do, all the stuff that we are a part of. Because if you don't come to church, how are you not, how are you able to know what it is that we are supposed to be doing? In other words, how are you getting the right answers unless you come to church? There's this great, great video parody of worship. In fact, I think we've shown it here before um, that talks about this new church that's kind of coming to your town for Sunday mornings. And it's got all of the things that you've been looking for, including the pastor, the preacher who has all the answers. And so they say, you know, they're not just contemporary. They're not just relevant. They're so cool and so edgy. They call themselves contemporary. And the sermon every single Sunday is, I have all the answers. So if you come here, if you worship with us, if you sing our songs, if you buy our CDs in the bookstore, you're going to get all the answers that you have been looking for. Does that really help to get all of the answers? Does it really help to to hear that someone standing in front of you has all of the answers? Is is that why we come to worship? Is that why we are part of the current? Is that why we are a part of this congregation? Just so that we get all the answers. So we stuff and we stuff and we stuff our faith and our spiritual lives with all of these answers and with all of these explanations as though life or God is this puzzle that we are here to figure out. And then, of course, once we do figure it out and we get the prize, then our job is to then go and teach it to everyone else. Is that why we're here? What stuff gets in the way of the mystery? What stuff gets in the way of the mystery of who God is and what God is trying to reveal to us and the relationship that we are to have with God? What stuff gets in the way of not knowing everything about who God is? And sometimes we'll we'll use the phrase, you know, well, the Lord works in mysterious ways. And we tend to use that phrase when we don't know what else to say. And we feel like we have to say something because we can't not say 
anything. We have to fill the space with something. Even if it's something as vague as, well, the the Lord works mysteriously. I mean, if we think about the story of Job, that's kind of what his response or what he, he was given every time. Even Job himself is asking that question, why? Why is all of this happening to me? Why am I losing? Why am I suffering? If I just knew, even if I just knew, then at least that would be something. And the something that he receives from us over and over again is, well, the Lord just works in mysterious ways. Now, don't get me wrong. Understanding is good. It's good for us to explore. It's good for us to get in the midst of that and try to figure out. I mean, Warren Pattison is right here. He's the director of adult education. He's not one to say, well, you know, it's just all mystery. I mean, you can only go to so many Bible studies until that doesn't really work anymore. So we are a church that that does affirm understanding. We're a church that affirms exploring. We're a church that affirms um, conversations. But we also don't want to go such to an extreme that we feel as though we can give an answer and that we can explain absolutely everything. It's also a way for us to say we can't we can't use mystery as an excuse to do nothing. I remember being on a district committee on ministry, DCOM. So if you're studying to be a pastor, if you're working to be a pastor, you have to go through several boards. One of them is a district level. And I remember being uh, interviewing a, a candidate one time and they're supposed to turn in a sermon for us to look at and kind of explore. And this candidate said, well, you know, the spirit really wasn't moving me to, to give a sermon. So I didn't give it. And we were like, um, that doesn't work. Uh, I, I remember hearing a story where a pastor, a pre- preacher came before his congregation and he said, you know, the, the spirit didn't really move me to give you a sermon today. So I, I, I don't have one. And that was that was actually fine the first Sunday. They kind of took that and embraced it and celebrated it. Then the second Sunday came and he said, yeah, I, the spirit really didn't give me anything this Sunday either. And they thought that was a little a little weird. Uh, by the third Sunday, they were over it. So mystery is not an excuse for us to be lazy. It's not an excuse for us not to do anything. However, on the other hand, it is not our job nor our calling to explain absolutely everything so that there is no more mystery. If we think about the evolution of a pastor in our society, in our culture, back in the day, the word the word pastor wasn't as popular as, say, the word mystic. Someone who was in the mystery of what people were going through, of what people were experiencing, and offered healing, offered scripture, yes, but not so much so that we could understand it so that we could experience it. And then one generation comes into another, and as time passes, it was though we went from mystic to missionary to what we do now call pastor and not necessarily this person who kind of wandered through the desert, but this very um, educated, this very academic, this very certified person who we knew had a stamp of approval who could give us the answers. And somewhere along the line, the art of preaching turned into just this exercise of one person explaining to many who God is. 
And rather than experiencing God, we just got answers about God. In the midst of this, the Bible turned from a living document into like a manual on life that we keep in the glove compartment of our spiritual journey so that it would give us answers. I remember so many uh, upcoming retired clergy when I was talking about my seminary experience and they said, you know, it occurs to me, I never heard the word discipleship in seminary. As I was being educated and trained to be a pastor, I was never really talked about uh, with discipleship. It was always about how do I care for the people in my church? How do I keep them coming? How do I create you know, interesting uh, programs and ministries and events to keep my membership going? That's what I was taught. That's what I learned. I didn't know anything about discipleship. And so we see that this has been part of the reality of church for literally centuries. If we look at 1 Corinthians, Paul is addressing this to the church in Corinth, that as they are evolving into the next generation of Jesus Christ's followers, as they are becoming a community that is about following Christ, they are going through this experience as well, where they are evolving from how do I follow Christ to how do I explain Christ to other people? How do I get all of the answers? See, the great temptation, not only in our church, but the church in Corinth hundreds of years ago, is focusing on this uh, this reliance of security that we have based on our knowledge. If we have all the knowledge, then we have all the security. That's what, what it means to be a good church, to be able to explain God to the people. And this is Paul's response. This comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul writes, we, of course, have plenty of wisdom. That's kind of reassuring. We have plenty of wisdom, plenty of wisdom to pass on to you once you get your feet on firm spiritual ground. But here's the thing. It's not popular wisdom. It's not the fashionable wisdom of high price experts that will be out of date in a year or so. God's wisdom is something mysterious that goes deep into the interior of God's purposes. You won't find it lying around on the surface. It's not the latest message, but it's more like the oldest. What God determined as the way to bring out the best in us long before we ever arrived on the scene. But you have seen and heard it because God by the Spirit, has brought it all out into the open before you. The Spirit is not content to flit around on the surface. No, the Spirit dives into the depths of God and brings out what God planned all along. When was the last time we dove? When was the last time we dove into God rather than just trying to understand God? When was the last time we dove into the mystery of God rather than just trying to find the answers? The year before my family and I moved here to Florida, um, we spent about a week on vacation because at that time we were still just kind of searching, just trying to decide if this was the right place for us to come. And uh, we went to the beach in the Tampa area 
And I remember just not wanting to leave. I mean, we were there for hours. Just swimming in the ocean, just playing in the sand and every so often just, just going back in. And I remember finally we, we decided, you know, we've got to go. It's getting late. And I just, I had to run back in one more time and just immerse myself in the salty waters that were there in the moment of creation. Astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson talks about this, about how we have this pull to go back into the ocean from whence we came. That when you stand out into the ocean, one of the reasons that you watch it is because your very DNA is striving to go back to that source of creation. Not for answers, but just to be immersed, to jump back in. We often say that Jesus is the answer. But do we remember what the question even was? Because let me just be honest with you. First United Methodist Church of Lakeland, Florida does not have all the answers. If that's why you're here, I'm sorry. I don't have all the answers to give. Your worship leaders do not pick the songs that they select so that we can have all the answers. They are gateways into the incredible, awe-inspiring love that God is. It is not to provide us the information. It is for a way that we can worship, that we can live, that we can experience the mystery and the awe-ness of God. English Bishop Callistos Ware once said, it is not the task of Christianity to provide easy answers to every question, but to make us aware of a mystery. God is not so much the object of our knowledge as the cause of our wonder. In fact, Pastor Charlie preached about this uh, last week. He talked about church should be about fascination not coercion. It is not our job to coerce or to convince anybody with information about why they should be a follower of Jesus Christ. But it is our job and it is our calling to fascinate. And how can we fascinate if we are not fascinated ourselves? How can we share an awe-inspiring, loving God If that's not the God who we have experienced, if we are more focused on a God to provide us answers rather than mystery. How many of us shrink from sharing our faith because we feel inadequate, because we feel like, well, I I just don't have the right words. I I don't know what to what to say. I don't know how to explain it when really what we're saying is I don't know how to sell it. And I'm afraid that people won't buy what I have to say. Is that what convinced us? I mean, did someone give us a sales pitch that said, oh, I got to try that. I got to buy that. Did somebody give us answers and explanations that convinced us to worship God? What pulled us in? Who pulled us in? Who pulls us in? Why are we here today? See, if 
if faith were about giving a persuasive argument, if faith was about giving us knowledge and answers, is that really faith? One of the songs that was sung uh, in the 930 service had this lyric. It ain't even faith until your plan falls apart. It's not faith if we know exactly what's going to happen. I had a pastor who once said, I don't believe Christ is real. I know Christ is real. And I spent the whole rest of the sermon thinking about what does it matter what we know? Is that why we're here to find answers? Because the reality is we can find answers anywhere. We can find answers everywhere. The pastor is no longer the keeper of the knowledge of God. So if it's not knowledge, then what are we seeking? And again, thinking that we don't have the right knowledge, that we don't have the right things to say. Have you ever thought about how Jesus evangelized? Have you ever thought about how Jesus tried to get people interested in who he was and what he was trying to do? He talked about seeds. And he talked about sheep. And he talked about everybody being paid the same wage. And he talked about how he is the literal embodiment of bread and of wine. It's me, he says. I mean, it doesn't get any weirder than that. And yet 2,000 years later, here we are, based on a story of someone saying, I am bread and I am wine. If and when you feast on me, you will never hunger and thirst again. We can't get any weirder than that. And yet here we are. So don't think for a second that your story is uninteresting or that what you have to share is inadequate because what people are striving and searching and hungry and thirsty for is not answers. They are looking for something that is going to change their life. That's why we're a church. That's why we do all the things that we do. That's why we are here, right here and right now. We are here to share the story of Jesus Christ. Because think about someone who is searching. Think about someone who may be walking through our doors today or thinking about, should I be a part of a church? Should I be part of a congregation? Why would they accept me? Because what if there's something wrong with me? I mean, what if there's something really wrong? Is some answer going to convince them? Is some scrap of information, some Bible verse even, going to convince them that they have now everything that they need? What if they, what if we are looking for something else? What if we are looking for something more? Because what Neil deGrasse Tyson continues to talk about is, you know, it's not just the ocean that calls us. Because we don't just look out into the ocean. We also look up at the stars. Because if biologically we came from the ocean first, biologically, but also spiritually, we also came from the heavens. And so this is why we also stare up at the night sky. Because something in our body, something in our DNA history remembers where and who we came from. And our innards strive to get back to that source. Not because it's been explained to us, but because we're still connected. 
Paul, as he's addressing the church of Corinth, is saying to them, stop trying to figure out all the information. Stop relying on answers and relish the mystery. Relish it. Like cover yourselves in it. Jump into it. Look up at it. Be immersed in it. If nothing else, for the simple reason to be a part of it. For as we sang, if the stars, if the oceans will worship, then so will we. Because that's what we are. And we continue to be connected to that great mystery that we are able to relish, that God invites us to relish. Don't be concerned with the answers. Relish in the mystery of God. I know sometimes it feels as though we don't have the right words. And if we don't say the right thing, then the result isn't going to happen. But you know what? That's just stuff. Don't let that stuff get in the way. Jump in. Dive in. Relish the mystery of God because that's what people need to hear and that's what people are looking for when we're able to share that we won't have to worry about all that other stuff just embrace the mystery be awed by it enjoy it because that is what people are looking for so don't be afraid to relish don't be afraid to jump in and just be at awe in the mystery of god and may that give us peace amen